Hello, and welcome to the Wausau Community Theater podcast production of Bram Stoker's Dracula, adapted by Duffy Lonick, with revisions by Chanel Vopel and Casey Hofer. This podcast has been sponsored by Central Concrete Cutting and TDS Fiber, with special thanks to Mark Weiss and the Grand Theater of Wausau, and Scott Fritchie. This podcast is a special fundraiser for Wausau Community Theater, which has been affected by the COVID-19 pandemic. Please consider making a donation to help keep our community theater alive by going online to www.wausaucommunitytheater.org and clicking Donate. Finish work faster with blazing fast business internet from TDS. With TDS Fiber Internet up to one gig, your business will have the speed, reliability, and bandwidth it needs to thrive. Internet-enabled devices, file-sharing apps, and software suites can work seamlessly without bogging down day-to-day work on your office computers. Take your business into the fast lane. Learn more at tdsfiber.com. Valid for business customers only. Internet speeds are up to and not guaranteed. Not available in all areas. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And now, we present the thrilling conclusion of Dracula. Jonathan Hawker's Journal, 4th October. We returned to the asylum and the professor fixed up the room against any coming of the vampire. Quincy, Arthur, and I arranged that we should sit up, dividing the night between us and watch over the stricken lady. That evening, we met again in the conference room, unsure what our next step against Dracula would be. Just then, Mina surprised us all by coming into the room. I have an idea. Oh, my dear Madam Mina, the roses are back in your cheeks. We have our dear Mina, as of old, back to us today. I want you to hypnotize me. I feel I have some strange psychic connection. Is such a thing possible, Professor? That could be. I have not read on the exact ritual he put you through, but it is worth the try. He pulled from his pocket a watch hanging from a chain, and holding it up to Mina, swung it as a pendulum in front of her eyes as she watched. Gradually her eyes closed, and she sat stock still. Only by the gentle heaving of her bosom could one know that she was alive. Mina opened her eyes, but she did not seem the same woman. There was a faraway look in her eyes, and her voice had a sad dreaminess which was new to me. Where are you? I don't know. It is all strange to me. What do you see? I see nothing. It is all dark. What do you hear? The lapping of water. It is gurgling by, and little waves leap. I can hear them on the outside. Then you are on a ship? What else you hear? The sound of men stamping overhead as they run about. There is the creaking of chains. What are you doing? I'm still. It's like death. Her voice faded into a deep breath as if one sleeping, and her eyes closed again. She lay like a sleeping child for a few moments, and then with a long sigh, awoke. So he's fled? He's gone? There's not a moment to lose. I may not yet be too late. But why? Because he can live for centuries, and we are but mortal men. As long as he stalks the earth, there will be other Lucys, other Minas. 
more victims, and it is in our power and our duty to stop him now. But how would we even know where he's going? To Transylvania, his castle. It's the only place he can go. I know the way. It's all in my journal. I'll pay for everything. I haven't told you, but my father, Lord Godalming, has died. That is why I was so absent during Lucy's last days. Arthur, I'm so sorry. I had no idea. With his death, I inherit his title and his fortune. And I promise to use every last bit of it to ensure the world can be rid of this evil. I couldn't believe it, but before my very eyes I saw Arthur change, suddenly full of sureness and valor. Van Helsing spoke first and spoke true. Oh, hail Lord Godalming! Lord Godalming! Lord Godalming! Lord Godalming, my great friend! Mina's Journal, 5th October. Dr. Van Helsing discovered the ship Dracula had gained passage aboard the Serena Catherine and was told by a sailor that he'd carried aboard a large wooden box. He was sailing towards Transylvania as we had ascertained. We planned to follow to see if we could beat the Count to his castle. There was debate as to whether I should go along. The Tsarina Catherine has left the Thames yesterday. It will take her at the quickest speed at least three weeks to reach Rana. But we can travel over land to the same place in three days. I think we four can get ready and set out on our journey. We four? Of course. You must remain here to take care of your so sweet wife. I believe we should consult with Mina about that. If it be that she can, by our hypnotic trance, tell what the Count sees and hears, it is not more true that he will have hypnotized her first, compel her mind to disclose to him what she knows. You must take me with you. I am safer with you, and you shall be safer too. But fie! You know that your safety is our solemnest duty. We go into danger, to which you are or may be more liable than any of us. I know. That is why I must go with you. When the Count wills me, I must come. If he tells me to come in secret, I must come by while. But I may be of service to you, since you can hypnotize me and learn that which I do not even know. But please... Promise to keep me ignorant of your plans. You are most wise. You shall come with us, and together we shall do that which we go forth to achieve. In the morning we leave for Varna. There must be no chances lost, and in Varna we must be ready to act the instant the ship arrives. What shall we do exactly? I shall not wait for any opportunity. When I see the box, I shall open it and destroy the monster, though there were a thousand men looking on, and if I'm wiped out for it the next moment. Good boy, brave boy, God bless him for it. Believe me, none of us shall lag behind or pause from any fear. We shall be armed in all ways, and when the time for the end has come, our efforts shall not lack. Just then, a terrible thought entered my mind. You must promise me, one and all, even you, my beloved husband, that should the time come, you will kill me. When I am so changed and thus dead in the flesh, that it is better that I be dead, then you will, without a moment's delay, drive a stake through me and cut off my head or do whatever else may be wanting to give me rest. How can I make such a promise? You too, my dearest. You must not shrink. 
You are nearest and dearest in all the world to me. It is men's duty toward those whom they love. If I must meet death by a hand, let it be at the hand of he that loves me best. I shall swear. Notes of Dr. Seward, 25th October. Oh, I do miss my phonograph. I find a written diary so irksome. We arrived in Varna with plenty of time to spare. We awaited the arrival of the Serena Catherine. Lord Godalming even convinced the harbour agents to allow him aboard when it came to port by telling them that he believed one of the boxes contained valuables stolen from a friend of his. The expected arrival date came and passed, but the ship wasn't seen. The professor put Mina in a trance again. What can you see and hear? Nothing. All is dark. I can hear waves lapping against the ship. Canvas and cordage strain and creak. The wind is high, and the bow throws back foam. We were surprised the Count's ship sailed past Varna without stopping. Quickly, we took a train to Galatz in hopes we could beat the ship. I can see nothing. We are still. There are no waves lapping, but only a steady swirl of water running against the hawser. I can hear men's voices far and near, and the roll and creak of oars in the rowlocks. There's a gleam of light. I can feel the air blowing upon me. You see? He is close to land. He has left the earth chest, but he has yet to get on shore. We may arrive in time. Before he escapes, we will come upon him during the daytime, boxed up and at our mercy. 29th October. We arrived at Galatz. We found we were too late to meet with the Count's box. I will get a steam launch and follow him. And, uh, horses to follow on the bank unless by chancy land. Care to come along, Jack? It'll be like old times. Of course, partner. Good. Both good, friend Harker. You go with friend Arthur because you are young and brave and can fight. Madam Mina will be my care. I am old. My legs are not so quick to run as once. I will take Madame Mina right into the heart of our enemy's country. Mina Harker's Journal. We arrived at Veresti at noon. The professor went to get a carriage and horses. We got to Borgo Pass just after sunrise. This is the way. How do you know it? Has not my Jonathan traveled it and written of his journey? You are right once again, Madame Mina. In the evening, the professor built a fire to warm us. He drew a circle round me, big enough that I may be comfortable, and broke the wafer and created a holy circle with it. Wheeling figures of mist and snow approached us, both keeping out of the holy circle. There before me, in actual flesh, the three women that Jonathan saw in the room, when they would have kissed his throat. They called to me. Come, sister, come, come to us. Sister, come, come, sister, come to us. Van Helsing seized some wafer and advanced on them towards the fire. They could not approach him whilst he was so armed. They laughed their horrid laugh. They backed off and left us be. And so we remained till the red of dawn fell through the snowy gloom. I will go to the castle. Stay in the circle, you'll be safe. And off he disappeared into the snow. I waited for hours until he finally returned. I have sealed the tomb for all time. Nevermore can the Count enter their own dead. Now we need only wait for my husband and the others to arrive. We found a wonderful spot, a sort of natural hollow in a rock. Then Helsing took his field glasses from the case 
He stood on top of a rock and began to search the horizon. Look, madam, in a look. I could see the river lying like a black ribbon in kinks and curls as it wound its way. Straight in front of us came a group of mounted men hurrying along. In the midst of them was a cart. On the cart was a great square chest. My heart leapt, for I knew the end was coming, and while I knew that at sunset the thing, which was all then imprisoned there, would take new freedom and could elude all pursuit. Look, see two horsemen following fast. Coming up the south, it must be Quincy and John. I looked around, and I saw on the north side of the coming party of two other men. One of them I knew was Jonathan. The other must have been Lord Godalming. They are converging. When the time comes, we shall have the gypsies on all sides. Every instant seemed to age whilst we waited. The wind came now in fierce gusts. Closer and closer they drew. The professor and I crouched behind the rock and held our weapons ready. I could see that he was determined that they should not pass. Quincy and I rode up alongside the caravan with our Winchester rifles drawn. Halt! The gypsies may not have known the language, but instinctively they reined in, and at that instant Lord Godalming and Jonathan dashed up the other side. Dr. Van Helsing and I rose behind the rock and pointed our weapons at them. The leader gave a command, and the gypsy party drew every weapon they had and held themselves in readiness. All four men threw themselves from their horses and dashed towards the car. Seeing the quick movement of our parties, the leaders of the gypsies gave a command, and as men formed themselves around the cart, I pushed past the men and jumped onto the cart, and with a strength which I knew not I had, raised the great box and flung it to the ground. Mr. Morris had to use force to pass through his side. The gypsies attacked wildly as he sprang beside Jonathan, who by now had jumped from the cart. I could see that with his left hand, Morris was clutching at his side, and that blood was spurting through his fingers. He did not delay, notwithstanding this, and with desperate energy, attacked one end of the chest, attempting to pry off the lid with his great bowie knife. Under the efforts of both men, the lid began to yield. The top of the box was thrown back. The sun was almost down, and I saw the Count lying within the box on the earth. He was deathly pale, just like a waxen image, and the red eyes glared with a horrible, vindictive look, which I knew too well. The eyes saw the sinking sun, and the look of hate in them turned to triumph. But in that instant, with a sweep and flash of my great knife, I seared through the throat, whilst at the same time Mr. Morse's knife plunged into the heart. It was like a miracle. Before our eyes, and almost in the drawing of a breath, the whole body crumbled into dust and passed from our sight. The castle of Dracula now stood out against the red sky. The gypsies turned, and without a word, rode away as if for their lives. Mr. Morris, who had sunk to the ground, leaned on his elbow, holding his hand to his side. I flew over to him. Jonathan knelt behind him, and the wounded man laid back his head on his shoulder. I'm only too happy to have been of service. It was worth it to see you all make it alive. Now God be thank that it was not in vain. The curse has passed away. And, to our bitter grief, with a smile and in silence, he died, a gallant gentleman. It was seven years ago that we all went through the flames, and the happiness of some of us since then is, we think, well worth the pain we endured. 
It is an added joy that our son's birthday is the same on that which Quincy Morris died. His mother believes that some of our brave friend's spirit passed into him. His bundle of names links all our little band of men together, but we call him Quincy. We were talking of the old times, which we could all look back on without despair, and if we could ask anyone, even if we did wish to, to accept so wild a story. Van Helsing summed it all up with our boy on his knee. We want no proofs. We ask no one to believe us. The boy will someday know what a brave and gallant woman his mother is. Already he knows her sweetness and the loving care. Later on, he will understand how some men so loved her that they did dare much for her sake. This concludes Bram Stoker's Dracula. Thank you for listening to the Wausau Community Theater radio drama podcast production of Bram Stoker's Dracula. The cast in order of appearance is Aaron Kremen as Jonathan Harker, Dylan Sleeper as Arthur Homewood, Sean Caldwell as Dr. John Seward, Chad Lawyerson as Quincy Morris, Jacqueline Newell as Mina Harker, Larry Kirchkaster as Professor Van Helsing, Sarah Stafford, Rebecca Bonkowski, and Nicole Stevens as the Brides of Dracula. This podcast has been sponsored by Central Concrete Cutting and TDS Fiber, with special thanks to Mark Weiss and the Grand Theater of Wausau, and Scott Fritchie. This podcast is a special fundraiser for Wausau Community Theater during the shutdown caused by COVID-19. As you know, theaters around the country have been forced to close their doors due to this pandemic. Please consider making a donation to keep our community theater alive by going online to wasawcommunitytheater.org and clicking Donate.